Hello, everybody. This is Mark Karaki of Impact Africa Network, bringing you the Chini Imagine podcast. Uh, very excited for the guests we have this week. This week, we are going to be diving into the corporate to startup transition. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, one of those topics that I think is very relevant to where we are today. Mm -hmm. And the guest we have today is somebody who, uh, for me, is a perfect um, individual to, to, to expound on this particular subject matter. So this week, we have Claire Munene, uh, who's head of What's your title? Uh, I'm the chief commercial officer. Chief commercial officer. And that's yes. why I struggled with that because yes. that's, that's kind of like a unique title, right? In a sense, it's in not very sense. common. Yeah, for startups, it's sort of, but uh, I think it's another way of saying uh, all things money. All things money or related to money or all processes related to money. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So, Claire Mane, uh, chief commercial officer at M Survey. Yes. Um, and yeah, your story is fascinating. 14 years in corporate at the at the big gorilla in the space, the <laughs> big brother, as I yeah. like to call them, Safaricom. And, you know, you built your career there. And uh, four years ago, you made the leap and went down the, uh, the, the startup route. Yeah. And that's just, like I said, perfect person to speak about this. So why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself and, and tell us, you know, uh, you know, tell us your story, uh, how this all came to be and we'll take it from there. Yeah, so I am at MSurvey as the Chief Commercial Officer, like you said, um, and what that means is I'm responsible for the sales process as well as the operations that drive that sales process um, at MSurvey, but um, sort of been the thing I've been responsible for uh, from the time I joined uh, when I left Safaricom. So maybe I can take a step back yeah. and uh, you know, come from Safaricom to here in the transition. Mm -hmm. So I left Safaricom 14 years ago, having worked in very many areas of the business. Mm -hmm. I was blessed to have been able to work in development. So I did product development at a point, did product marketing, um, even did uh, the uh, drove the back office support in terms of customer experience. Um, all the way until I left. When I left, I was responsible for the consumer business at the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Um, and that just pretty much is all the products that fall under consumers, everything outside of M-Pesa and, um, and uh, data. Those were run separately. Mm -hmm. um, so I chose to leave at the time uh, because I was looking for something else. I wasn't too sure that could take me uh, on to my new learning path uh, because I pretty much done different roles and learned a lot within. It was an amazing experience. Of learning and I felt it was time to learn something new again and there were limited um, opportunities internally mm -hmm. so I left to do consulting mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. uh, but, but maybe before you before I, I mean you just didn't wake up one day and say I'm gonna leave and do consulting no was that like a talk a little bit about what that journey was like mm -hmm. the journey when you started feeling like you know what maybe it's not all she wrote. Maybe I'm looking for something else. Okay. Talk a little bit about it. Like a year earlier when I was beginning to feel like, um, you know, uh, the KPIs were KPIs I knew and we sort of had teams that were to drive that and the opportunities in terms of exposure to new things were uh, not coming at the rate I would expect and I was beginning to look around within the organization number one to see what new things or new opportunities were they for myself uh, and that were in line with my career path. Mm. Um, but I, I couldn't see them and I, 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 
I'm deeply rooted um, and have a firm belief in God. So I began to pray about it and ask, okay, if there's an opportunity internally, show me. And if not, then uh, show me what am right. I supposed to do and where am I supposed right. to go. And then um, around uh, that same time, some opportunities came, but they were not aligned to what I wanted to do in terms of my career. Mm -hmm. And uh, slowly, slowly, uh, I began to think probably it's outward. Uh, I had heard of, of many opportunities and had many approaches from the outside, but they still weren't sort of aligned to my career. They were in different areas, but not things I was interested in. Then I felt like I needed to take a leap and stop waiting to walk from one place uh, or one thing to another, but rather um, take a leap and walk out right. and so, look so, for what I wanted to do. Right. So, yeah. so to take a leap and grow wings on the way down, right? Yes. Um, and so the, the, the opportunities that had been that had approached you while you were in this period, eh? uh, why did why were they? Was it okay? The main question, I guess, is were they corporate or were they what, what type of opportunities were they? They were corporate. Okay. They were all corporate. I had one or two earlier in my career. I'd had one or two related to startups, but I hadn't even considered them at all. I felt mm -hmm. startups were very risky, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I wasn't. Um, comfortable taking that level of risk and risky in the sense that they lack in my mind back then they lacked structure um, it was it was not too clear I wasn't too clear how they run it was a new phenomenon right, right you know right. and it looked like something for the millennials <laughs> back then this is for kids this is yeah, for the young I just people. felt you, you need to be a millennial and you need to be strongly tech inclined and so Probably that's not the thing for me. Right. Yeah. So I didn't look too closely at them and I thought, yeah, yeah, interesting, but not my thing. Not very interesting for yeah. me. <laughs> no, interesting, but not my thing. Right. Uh, and I think it was just heavily driven by the risk, to be honest. To be because fair, it was yeah. getting into a vision and you're saying, hey, come, let me do it. So what's the structure? So where will that be? So what's my compensation? We'll figure that out. <coughs> Mm -mm. <laughs> that didn't sound much no. I'm not signing up for that. <laughs> no, I wasn't saying. I mean, I had children. I was used to structure right. for over a decade. Right, so right, right. That no, totally makes sense. I mean, your mind was, yeah. you're looking for a place where you can kind of like uh, fit in, plug in, kind of see the contours of what you're trying to do. Yes. You know, have some very clear goals. This is my role. Nini, nini. So, so structure, basically, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that that's, that I didn't even consider You're that. You're not considering so, startups. Yes. Yeah. So I left because um, to do consulting because uh, it seemed to have structure and you could set your own structure and your own, you know, pretty much your own terms. Mm -hmm. I did that for about six months. Okay. Yeah. I, and, and when did you meet Ken first? Oh, I met Ken way earlier when I was still working at Safaricom. Mm -hmm. um, and within that environment, he had come to do uh, some work as a partner. And we had interacted in that perspective. So mm -hmm. sort of like um, client-facing. Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. us being able to deliver services within Safaricom to a, to a business partner. And he had come in the auspices of M-Survey at the time, or was he doing something else? Yes, at the time, it was he was sort of uh, doing his thesis and uh, trying to come up with the information to either back or disprove um, you know all the assumptions he had around building and survey okay. at the time. Okay. So and, and and even if I remember, it's so different from what he he ended he up doing. Ended up doing. Right. Yeah. Mm. 
Okay. Yeah. So you met him through this kind of, you know, very officious kind of relationship. Yes. And, and then, okay. Yes. Then. So I met him and Louis, mm-hmm. his co-founder at the time, Louis Mag- uh, Majanja. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and this is... 2013, 20... It was 2012. 2012. Yes. Okay. Yes. So fast forward and then? So fast forward to 2015 and um, I've left and I'm doing this consulting thing and going around and still getting corporate um, offerings but still not within my career. They were so removed in a different space that I really was not interested in, in, in looking at. Yeah. yeah. And so then... I got a call from Ken and he says, hey, I hear you've left and I think I have an interesting proposition for you. So you, we met and he sort of updated me on what had, he'd been doing all these years and how he had formed M survey and um, what they were doing in the space of connecting uh, businesses to their consumers. And I thought, wow, it's grown, interesting, mm. it's survived. <laughs> and... Um, so he asked, there was an opportunity to join and, and uh, you know, bring this thing to life in the sense of growing it bigger and seeing what we could do. Mm-hmm. So I asked him to give me time to consider it because, mm-hmm. again, remember, this was startup, something I didn't... Mm-hmm. You're not familiar I d- with. I'm not familiar with. Not I don't understand yeah. it. Yeah. It seems to lack structure. This is not my world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it, it does have an outstay in the sense that the vision is clear. Mm, but the path is but not. But the path is not. Right. And that made me feel uncomfortable. Definitely. I was used to clear paths. Right. You know, right. this is how we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. And here he was telling me, this is where we're going. But I can't tell um, you how we're going to get but there. But I can't tell you. Yes. <laughs> so I went and, and, and he gave me time and I said, okay, give me time to think about it, pray about it, and mm-hmm. talk to my husband about it. Mm-hmm. And, and then we see. Mm-hmm. And then it began to bother me, and I thought, hmm, it's such a strong vision. Uh, I've always wanted to feel like I'm making an impact in Africa, Mm -hmm. uh, that whatever I've learned in the corporate space can be spread and shared. And maybe this is the way to do it. Maybe it's not moving to another corporate and exchanging that. Maybe that's not what they need, Mm -hmm. because they are fully structured as well, but rather going where it's unstructured and creating structure and creating building structure something yeah. and building something and then i thought it's actually going to offer me the opportunity to learn as well right because i was craving new challenge i was craving new learning mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. and so after talking a little bit uh, with my husband he said go for it i mean this could be your one shot at giving your contribution in whatever small way mm-hmm. uh, to your community, mm-hmm. in terms of a community, I can loosely say Kenya and to Africa as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I contacted Kenya and said, "Great, okay, let's do this." But I'm still not too sure. So let's test this mm-hmm. for a few months and see how it's doing, and right. then decide right. whether you know I can be fully vested in terms right. of this direction. And so. We hit it off and it was a whirlwind. It was mm-hmm. running helter-skelter, fast, not understanding pretty much uh, what was expected of me. Um, because did, did you have a title? At the, what, what were you, what bring hired, what were you yeah, bring, brought had, on to do? <laughs> I, <laughs> I did have a title, by mm. the way. At the time, it was like head of strategy. Can you imagine? Wow. And I'm <laughs> learning something and I'm thinking, gosh, I'm supposed to sort of build a strategy around what we expect to achieve and i'm not too clear i know what m was doing at the time which was connecting uh businesses to their customers and collecting information and feedback mm-hmm. 
but remember so customer survey is essentially yes is a, is a simple sense, way of, of putting it right but at the yes. end of the day giving corporates and businesses insights yes. into customer sentiment yes around into their brand sentiment around their brand product uh, product customer expectation and in order to help these businesses improve their services or their right. products right. for them to grow grow their bottom line. Right. Uh, and now here, this is Greenfield and it's a mobile. So because we say, we always like saying Africa is, is, is mobile first or Kenya is a mobile first. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it differently. I think we are mobile hinged. It's We're mobile only. Is, yes. We're mobile only. It's Forget not about like it. First, what's second? Nah. I always ask when people say that I say, so what's second? We're mo- and mobile only, and, and, and we're yeah. waiting for the next tech platform to come and. So we're, we're mobile, go forward. Whatever yes. comes next, here's we'll what we're starting. somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but for now, this, this, this is, is all we got. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so being responsible for that strategy, and it involved me going, hitting the ground, understanding. I went around with Ken and Louis quite a bit as they sold, listening to how they were selling. And then I began to see opportunities in uh, in improving the customer journey in mm-hmm. terms of uh, onboarding. Uh, onboarding customers. And then again, then we began to see, okay, we can't be all things to women. Yes, every business on the continent needs to be able to listen to its customers and sentiment. But how do we structure ourselves so that we take a more phased approach and then right. defining our market? Yeah, very, very much, important. Yeah. yeah, That's one of the things that I find um, people really underestimate. Yes. And they try to be all things to all people too early. And they're being pulled left, right and center because different customers have different needs. A corporate with a SME who have very different needs yes. and expectations. Yes. Yes. And so that is one of the things that I think uh, causes people to just kind of hit the wall. Right? Yes, and either give up, right. close shop and die, right. or then take the direction which we did, which is, hey, let's, let's segment our market and let's take a phased approach. Awesome. You can't do everything. And so did that. And then they, it became evident as we went along that there was a huge gap because they were, it was heavily te- uh, tech. So mm-hmm. there were... There's this engineering guys and then commercial was just Louis Ken and I. <laughs> <laughs> but Louis is also technical, right? Yes, so and Ken is yeah. as well. Okay. So, but so it was were, just you on your. <laughs> yeah, but they but they were trying to do the selling bit, and I felt which is they, great. I, I you see the one of the biggest challenges you have, and I think you're, this is where you're going, mm-hmm. is the technical people underestimating the value of the cost of the sales go to market. Correct. So talk about That's that. That's exactly. Yeah. So. Um, I kept feeling like they were best placed uh, immersing themselves in developing the product, uh, creating a robust platform, and it was time to focus on having a solid commercial organizational team, or right. whatever you'd like right. to call it. Right. And so then that's when I evolved into, okay, let me be responsible for sales and the sales How did that conversation happen? Was it obvious to everybody, team. or did you lead that conversation? Um, How did that come about? I don't think it was obvious. I think Ken had begun to think about it and then we sort of had a conversation and I said, hey, I, I sort of feel like it's time for you to pull back and do what you need to do. Uh, loosen yourselves and focus on the technology and the evolution and where we are going and, and on the vision as well. And I have experience in um, customer, facing. In customer facing and go-to-market and that kind of thing. And probably it's time for us to structure and get help in mm. that area. Mm. And that's where my problems began. <laughs> As in the real... Anyway, it was a real growth, the real meat, and problems began in the sense that uh, when you are in the startup, 
world phase ecosystem and you're just beginning or you're at that place pre-growth mm-hmm, mm-hmm. typically you realize that uh, from a resource perspective you're constrained you're constrained and you're constrained by um, your abilities in terms of being able to to have the resources for you to onboard the talent that you need mm, so, so so this is important right so you're obviously not at Safaricom anymore nope. where you can you send where basically they're spoiled for everybody knocking on their door spoiled trying to kind of come yeah. in right and now here you are you're like I need to grow a team that was kind of like what you were tasked with yes. first. That was the first thing. Yes. So ex- this is interesting. So <laughs> yeah. how, t- tell us about how that happened. <laughs> <sighs> how do I focus on the just the core? Okay. Um, so I sort of sat back and uh, looked and said, how do we have a slim team? Because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. can't just create something. We just needed a slim core team that would be able to build the processes uh, for onboarding or acquiring new customers, right. as well as uh, probably um, a resource or resources um, responsible for um, catering to those customers and, you know, uh, keeping them comfortable and helping them grow. So, well. so, so you needed a sales team, and a customer su- an onboarding and a customer success, success team. team. So were you looking for individuals in different positions or were you looking for those Swiss Army Knife amazing people who could do both? <laughs> <laughs> Both the first uh, the first thing I tried to do was to get people who sort of had both and and they are there okay. yeah mm-hmm. the thing is we couldn't afford them they are there you just can't afford them and then again the second problem you have is they don't they, they feel uh, getting into a startup most of them are in corporates and mm-hmm. they feel like this is risky business mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. selling the vision selling the dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to align them to that becomes challenging, yeah. very challenging, very many conversations, but you can't give up. And then what I then decided to do, and that became a bit um, demotivating, mm. is, okay, I'm going to start Greenfield. I'm just going to look for people who are interested, who have the technical background in terms of, you know, they, they have studied you know, the right things, and then they are interested in joining an organization and building it and growing it. And, and so let me ask you this. So in terms of, you know, your first, who did you go to first in terms of recruiting? You went to the corporate types. Yes. And and how, okay, give us how a long? sense of how challenging that was. How many people did you talk to before you decided, hmm, this to is not working? Honest, I can't keep count of how many people I talked to. There were that many. Wow. I literally had back-to-back at one point, uh, your morning, your evening, you're talking to different people, maybe two, three in a day, mm-hmm. having coffees, having coffees, and having this discussion. Oh, this is what I do, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I think you'd be perfect in growing this. And yeah, I, ca- I can't keep count. Wow. I can't and and how are you accessing these people through your networks, through yes. recruiters? Yes, mainly through my networks mm-hmm. initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we looked at companies that were also uh, recruiters, but still within the startup ecosystem. Mm-hmm. We turned to them okay. in, in the second phase, and that's now when we I began to see individuals who probably didn't have that much experience, but they had the right background in terms of uh, education, education or, and yeah. then they had the interest. The desire. Okay. Pretty much, hey, I, I, I've never done this before. 
uh, but I'm excited. So, and what else, well, what other dimension were they different from your other group? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that maybe your other group are more um, experienced in terms of they've been working Correct. for a while, they're older, basically. Yes. So did you have to go to a younger generation? Yeah, I think, you know, people talk about millennials and I don't really like to bucket, but I think the younger, the younger people I talked to were uh, there were more people who had just left campus, uh, starting out, and this didn't seem like foreign to them. Right. It's something they've heard about and they are excited to to be a part of. And the, the reality is they just have more, few. they have more options. In I mean, they're just more open, right? They're looking That's for opportunity, true. right? If you've kind of been doing the corporate thing for 10 years, a lot of people kind of narrow their scope of, of opportunity to look like a certain way, just the same way you are. Yes. Right? And, yes. and yeah, so for me, I, 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 it's almost predictable that you would have gone through that challenge and then had to go down this sort of path. <laughs> I met you then. <laughs> you tell me, you know, you'd have realigned my thought process. No, the, the reason I say this is because obviously my time in Silicon Valley Bay Area, yeah. many years there, there are two types of people, mm-hmm. actually maybe three. And the third one is there are very few. There are people who don't work in tech at all. They're mm-hmm. nurses and school bus drivers and everybody else, right? Yeah. But in the startup, the technology world, mm-hmm. there's corporates people yeah. and then there are startup people. And ne- never the twin shall meet, like for real. Generally speaking, people make their decision. I like startups. I like the unstructured. Un- I like, the, I like oh, to feel like I can have an well, impact. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. This is the world I want to traffic in. And there are startups coming up every time. So you get comfortable with that. You know how to operate in that environment. You know how to pick them, look at them, so on and so forth. Uh, and then the corporate people, you know what? And it's sometimes it's a question of, you know, where somebody is in their life also. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of it has to do with your, with your mental makeup. Some people are much more comfortable in that structured, top-down environment, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Some people want to actually be, you know, being on the front on the front lines, creating something, being part of a small team, and so on and so forth. And for me, I I I, I was definitely a startup person from the beginning. So mm-hmm. and and I know that there's a big distinction between those two between. those okay. two people. Um, of course, it's not a hard line. Obviously, mm-hmm. there are some people like you transitioned over, yeah. and you've been phenomenal for for M Survey. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think it comes down to just of of course it comes down to generally speaking those who can straddle the middle. It's about aligning their interests and providing aligning their interests with the, with the company's interests. Mm-hmm. And now maybe even take that as a segue and say, you know, yeah, you were kind of at the point in your life where you're looking for a transition. Yes. But what is it that uh, was the thing that uh, sweetened the pot for you in terms of the opportunity at M Survey? Right. I mean, you just didn't want to go and create something. You also maybe wanted to kind of. That's one thing. Yes. But you also maybe wanted to be part of the growth from a yes, returns standpoint. Yes. Um, it was an opportunity to go be a part of growing something big, and like you said, uh, you know, being able to you could potentially benefit from growing this big thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm the sort of person who says you can't allow fear to paralyze your movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, when something is fearful. I need to take a stand. I need to make a decision. I, I, it's not gray. Mm. It's normally I'm, I'm going or not. And either way, I learn. Mm. If I make a good decision, I learn. And if I don't, I learn as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I looked at it. And that was that was big. I mean, where else are you going to get an opportunity like that to say, come and own this and be a part of owning 
this and it's and good a, and whatever comes have and have a stake, stake in the in the thing yes. in the thing yes. very important and yes. like and that's what startups have to offer people to balance yes. the risk right yes, they it's do. the opportunity to actually be part of the success and you know to be very candid uh, transform your life financially, mm-hmm. right? Within uh, eight to ten, whatever years it takes mm-hmm. to get there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, was that a compelling thing for you? Hopefully, yes, yes, it was. It it was. Um, it was one of the key things I looked at. Aside mm-hmm. from, let me build something from the beginning, mm-hmm. ground up, and and watch it mm-hmm. become bigger than me. Because mm-hmm. the time is coming. I believe when M Survey will grow, and will have to transition elsewhere or to someone else or be led by other people and I'm looking forward to that day. I mean, I look at Twiga and seeing um, one of the co-founders, Peter, stepping out from corporate and coming to take over the hill and yet uh, Grant has held it up, up until where Twiga is today mm-hmm. is testament to that. Mm-hmm. That, that day is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So, so now you're hiring, now you've decided let me just <clears throat> stick with these young up-and-comers uh-huh. to build my team. And so what happened next? Uh, yeah, so it was focusing on growing people, mentoring people, and teaching them literally how to how to sell, the basics of selling, the basics of interacting with businesses, the basics of creating a process to manage customers, uh, understanding how business runs. Because unless you understand how organizations run, you cannot add value. No. And we went right down to those basics. So the first little team we got uh, who have really grown and we have lost I think one or two mm. to other organizations, even corporate, mm. interestingly. Interestingly. And for wow. me that, end up I'm proud back. of that. Yeah, I'm proud of, I'm proud of that. Seeing right. people grow to that level, I mean, is, is is good because it means you've offered some sort of learning. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah? You've impacted lives for real. And then we began to grow. Mm-hmm. Um and we've begun to even take on people from the corporate space now. So, okay, this is interesting, right? Yeah. So you bet you realize the corporates are not ready for that kind of like, you know, uh, early stage yes. type of company. Yes. They're not, they don't have the appetite. So you go to the young people, bring them on, train them from train the bottom them. up. Yes. Start, so Because you thought you'd get some people who are at your level and, you know, run, you know, <laughs> run all these plays. No and it wasn't passing. happening. It wasn't happening. So you had to go and build yes. capacity for yes. yourself. I love this. And then all of a sudden you've built the structure, built some success, built momentum. Now... Now we get to the place where even as we built that structure, we said, let's get very good at this. We, we came up with a standard. Before it was even the training and everything wasn't structured. It was more uh, like coaching of some sort. Mm. Then we decided to make it standard and structured. Mm. So we've, we've gotten better at coming up with a standard training mm. um, process that mm. takes months. Wow. And we we just keep at it, and we're we're going on working at it, working on it to get it better and better, so that it's easier to get someone. We're no longer constrained by whether you're from corporate or not, mm. as long as we believe you have the right attitude and the right basic educational skills of framework. Then we get you on board and train you. If you're teachable and you can learn, we train you, because we are trying to get better at and better uh, at equipping. Uh, the type of people we need to grow mm. our customers mm-hmm. and grow the organization overall. So what lessons did you take away from that from that whole process, right? Like, um, mm. what are the key things you, you took away? Just general things that struck you the most, right? 
this is what I learned from that potentially, or these are the key takeaways from that experience? Um, the, I think there are two main learnings. I still speak about one. The first one is um, don't take too much uh, time forcing, you know, the things that you want to happen to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, if if I had spent less time trying to coerce and cajole people to into join joining mm. M-Survey, uh, I would have probably gotten my act together pretty faster and trained um, more people out there mm -hmm. at a faster rate. You'd have built um, your organization faster. Way faster than, than, than we did. Mm -hmm. that, that was the one big thing. And even now, when we are hiring, uh, that's the same thing I keep telling myself. You know, it either works or it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Don't beg. Mm -hmm. Don't take too long begging. Sell the vision. Sell who you are. And I need to accept that for many people it may not make sense. Mm. For a few it may, and for those who it may not, then I need to be willing to build. You know what? I, this is... I mean, we're in the process of building our organization right yeah, now. Yeah. And for me, I knew right off the bat. Um, well, did I know off the bat? I, I guess. Somehow, yeah. For me, it was just like I realized that very clearly. At first, it was an inkling. Then it mm -hmm. became a conviction that you you're going to have to go and get people from campus, right? Right. Very go early. Go from the get go. Go early and build with a young team. So if you look at our team right now, mm -hmm. which came on as interns and they're going to transition into full time, and this is the base upon which we'll build the organization. Yes. They're all out of campus, right? Yes, um, and and I I firmly believe, right, in in my heart of hearts, that we are at a point in time in our, our society where you have this demographic dividend, a whole, you know, uh, large population of young people, and we have this technology innovation thing that's, you know, there's a nexus point there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is an opportunity to actually transform our society. And people, and what I mean by that is, the thing about technology yes. is, is it provides access to people who do not have a lot of resources to build things. Yes. Right? Yes, sir. Canfield came from, he's a foreigner for yes. the most part. Yes. didn't have all the connections. Mm -hmm. He didn't have any kind of, you know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. he's built something from essentially nothing. Yeah. And so we're, what that means is that these young people have an amazing opportunity to become the... the, the uh, the leaders of tomorrow in a very real way. Not in the way that when we say leaders, we talk about government and blah, blah, blah. We're talking about business leaders, many of them, coming up in the same generation. And that could mean that they don't have to, in a, in a very real way, compromise their dignity, their principles, and their values. And their creativity as right. well. Right. And they can actually become captains of their own destiny. And, if, and, and that means that our society may not have to continue being held by that hierarchical kind of old school mindset. Anyway, yes. I don't know how I got on this rant, but yeah. I am a believer in young, the young people, building them up, their raw talent. And, and I guess you'll have more uh, loyalty. Number two, they have the energy to drive this country to the next um, level. Uh, I strongly believe. And then they're going to transform the way business is being done. And like you rightly said, because they understand very clearly how to um, use technology or the tools that technology provides to drive um, a new way yeah. of doing things across different across, industries. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And for your people like you and me, our role is actually just to shepherd them, teach them, provide an environment where they don't hit their heads against the walls too much, and that allows them to thrive and share. Right. Uh, you know, and share the new things or the new ideas. Awesome. 
yeah. that they have within themselves. And that's why I said in the next, you know, in the next, who knows, two, three, however many years, I probably wouldn't be there and it will be time for them to take, to take the over. helm. Right, right. Yeah. And there's nothing as, uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a lot of ways, startups provide that opportunity in, in a much more fluid, um, yes. accessible way than than traditional corporate established organizations, right? Because they are very kind of slow in how they move. They are set in their ways. That's what's happening generally. Um, startups maybe give, uh, you talk about this, I don't know. I think startups in my experience and when I joined provide more agility, more open to experimenting and mm -hmm. trying different things mm -hmm. uh, uh, with a focus more on results and impact. As opposed to? Than on risk. And, and here, risk, I'm referring to, um, you know... Risk-averseness, you mean? Yes, being risk-averse, you know, not always looking at, you know, how much will we lose or uh, what will people think or say. The startup world actually allows you to experiment. Right. In fact, it is very good when you do. And when you don't, um, it limits your growth or the perception of you you know, being creative and being able to quickly transform, evolve, and grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So interesting because, yeah, I mean, it starts, it's, corporates have, you know, in a sense, scaled up a business model and they're in the protecting the status quo game yes. for the most part, right? Yes. So by definition, they are risk averse. Like, yo, we're, yes. we're taking care of this nest egg right here, this cash cow. So thinking outside the box is kind of not, and then they structure the organization with specific roles Yes. To hold that together. To hold that together. But where else will you get an opportunity where we offer, startups offer individuals the opportunity to try their hand at different things right. and probably see the talent they never knew they had yes. in different areas of the business. Yes. Um, and so as opposed to the corporate space where transitioning from different roles uh, is very limited. So the sales team never meets the difficult. finance team ever. They never but understand the constraints of pricing. Pricing or whatever. But in a startup... You could choose to work in finance and discover you like it and, hey, take off in a different space totally right, from what right. you did before. And that, yeah. And so it builds very well-rounded individuals who have a pretty good understanding of how different aspects of a business work. That's, that's exactly you know, people right. Go and, you could go and work with hard people. We have uh, one uh, member of our team who has done work in products and done a fantastic job, worked in talent. Uh, and and gave a fantastic contribution there. Worked in the commercial team and is now working with our data science team. How about that? That's that's exciting. Her background is uh, finance. That is exciting. So this is a human being who's thriving <laughs> yes. in the environment. And it seems like that's what the young people are looking for. Right, right. Yeah. Married experiences, and I think the world also demands people who are much more diversified and ex you need to be able to connect the dots in 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 the world we live in now, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's a very fluid world where you know uh, we come from historically things didn't change that quickly, so you didn't have to know too many things to <laughs> yes. be successful. You could that's be an expert in one area or even just a you know, just turn over rocks in one area. Um, but now things are very fluid. I mean, every single industry is up for disruption and being able to connect that. For, for example, fintech, right? Mm -hmm. Fintech is a whole category into itself. You need to understand how finance works, not just at the consumer, but also at the corporate. I mean, it's everything is open right now. Yes. So I think the world right now wants a renaissance people in a sense, people who cannot, who have 
who's seen different things and can connect the dots, those are the people who will be able to either be agile, uh, see opportunities. I, I think to me, I, I think oh, and disrupt themselves. Right. right. Yeah, and that's sort of the culture we have. Always thinking of how to disrupt ourselves because that's how the world is today. Whatever you're doing today could literally change overnight. We've right. seen it happen time and time and time again. And if you're not prepared for living in that kind of space and that kind of world, then it's going to be very difficult very for you to survive. Yeah, very yeah. hard for you to survive. Yeah. Awesome. So I, I, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here, but so talk about the journey. So you put this team together yes, and so then come on you board, start growing. We build this training program and we begin to cr grow bit by bit until where we are today, uh, which is um, evolving our offering. So it has really, really grown, transformed, changed from what it was um, through the contribution of the entire team, you know, um, and and maybe maybe we talk if we can stage it a little bit in terms mm -hmm. of okay the different phases if you if you can in your mind say we went these were the specific phases that I remember we went through and evolved into these were the mezzanine floor first floor second floor and obviously up to raising your Series A yes uh, so tell us if you can some of the distinctions in your evolution as an organization so you had these people you trained them then you got then what mm. happened. Is there like a narrative you could talk about? Yeah, uh, let me let me try. Sure, sure. So the first stage is forming and uh, bringing uh, people together who probably have a general idea and we are all under one vision mm -hmm. and helping them see how they can contribute to that vision mm -hmm. in getting us started. So mm -hmm. we started working with those and then trying to see how we could support them in... Um, delivering the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So that's when I talked about coming up with training programs and coaching and mm -hmm. mentorship and this whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then seeing them grow and beginning to contribute and suggest um, to things that have helped us evolve mm -hmm. as a business mm -hmm. and start uh, you know, doing new things that we hadn't thought about doing before and stop doing things that we didn't think we needed to focus on anymore. So they improved your organization. Now they oh, were yes. part of the whole... Now they're part of the whole thing and giving us their input and suggestions in different... Wow. And, and seeing them even experiment all on their own with their own motivation. Um, and seeing it actually bringing growth, bringing interest in terms of... Uh, corporates and SMEs coming on board. And so you see them winning deals that are winning marquee deals. deals. And for me, it's not even the deals. It's seeing these organizations that have become our customers uh, grow through the contribution of our platform to their businesses. Then you tell yourself, we're onto something here. Yeah. They're growing even at um, a different rate than you initially expected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's higher. So. How do we make this more efficient and effective? And then realizing you don't have the resources to do that because you're still pretty bootstrapped. Mm -hmm. Then that led... Uh, so, so the market was pulling you, was demanding more Was demanding you. more and couldn't give because we were limited. You had no yeah, resource, we don't personnel. Have resources. Yeah. We don't have the personnel um, you know, to be able to deliver this and, in, in, and sometimes some of the tools you need. Um, so that's paved the way for the decision of our founders to say, hey, let's hit the road. And they begin the, we've done the mm. fundra fundraising for Series A, which took quite a while. Mm -hmm. How long did it take, just roughly? Uh, it probably took about a year. Mm -hmm. And 
uh, it was an interesting experience. It's not easy. <laughs> Another learning experience. Another yeah. learning experience because you start home at home first, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, thankful to some of our local investors like uh, Safaricom and the like who were able to see it because back then, uh, getting a local ecosystem to understand about um, the value of investing in tech mm-hmm. is not easy. very difficult. They understand about investing in manufacturing and things that like that, but tech was a bit. Um, not understood too well. Mm. I mean, so the likes of the Spark Fund, the likes of TLCom, who have invested, who invested in our Series A, have been very instrumental in the growth we've seen in this last year. In who led series. your Series A? Uh, we it was led by uh, TLCom. Okay. Uh, and then we had um, others, uh, Spark, and 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 a few others, uh, you know, Marlon and and the rest of the team. And they brought us to where we are today, mm. you know, where we've seen um, a lot of growth in in supporting a lot of banks. You know, we have most of our customers, over 50% of our customers are in the financial services space. So mm. we have microfinance, the circles, the banks, mm-hmm. and MFIs, um, and then other organizations as well, and growing, mm-hmm. um, you know, the telcos, your, your Safaricom and, and the like. Uh, because everybody needs to be able, you know, to have a good tool that allows them to be able to collect information that can give them, empower them to make decisions. Sure. Any organization. And, and so, so this is very interesting. So you went through the Series A fundraise, a whole year of that. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that we hear uh, a lot, and there's multiple sides to this conversation, is around startups and fundraising, right? Um, what is your view in terms of, is there capital in this market yes yes we believe in our experience and 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 you've seen it, it is it is there uh i think the challenge is um framing uh the story or the proposition or the value in a way that can be understood mm-hmm. so being a good storyteller in a sense and a storyteller meaning a story is always about a good story mm-hmm has to do not just with the teller, but with the listener also, right? So I need to be able to tell you, what I'm, maybe I'm just over, mm-hmm. you say, what do you think? I think when I say uh, uh, your story, I think it's providing the data points that can make uh, the value proposition clearly understood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it, it, you know, I think, and, 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 you, and you can attest to that based on your experience, the way I've seen it done and some of the templates I saw in the early days in terms of how the story is told in the valley and, and, and in the side of, of the continent are very different. Explain, very, very talk different. about that a little bit. I think you have to provide a lot more key data points. There's a lot more uh, is demanded uh, despite you being a young business uh, and you have to do it. It's uncomfortable and you have to provide a lot more documentation, a lot more data in terms of how the business is running, uh, where the business is going, um, and how the business, the operations of your organization. Mm, the driving forces, yes. the driving elements All the little of your businesses. nuts and bolts um, you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just to make it clear. Um, so people, are, people generally underestimate 
the level of just practical, pragmatic, let's get to the bottom line, what makes your business work? Who is, this, who is your number yes. one salesperson on your team? That's what we're talking yes. about. And how are you going to keep that person on board? And how are you going to expand that skill set? Yes. All those things, right? And I think the greatest thing for us and where we are, where we are today is also the CEO. I mean, the vision is so clear. Having a clear vision, a clear direction, uh, uh, a clear North Star, a clear idea of where you're going always ensures you stay on track. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. always been clear about where we're going. That's another thing. Yeah. Do, you, do you find that... What's the opposite of that? Or, or the... the, the because, okay, I guess in terms of our cultural context, do you see people not having clarity that's developed? Yes. Um, I've, uh, being in this space, you interact and meet many people joining the startup world and trying to do a whole host of things. And sometimes you meet them the first time and they seem to be in one particular area or space and you meet them after a month. And they've added a whole host of other things, and then it's not so clear where they're going anymore. Mm. Uh, and if they're not, and if it's not so clear where they're going anymore, and they would need probably investment, or they need to meet an investor, then that's how muddled it's going to sound out there too. Right, right. Just have one clear direction, or one clear goal, or one clear problem you're trying to solve. Right, right. Not a oh, whole myriad, mm. because then again your focus is split and so how successful can you really be yeah so you cannot be successful and you cannot raise money it just becomes this you know uh, vicious cycle right um that's interesting because i was just listening to uh, i don't know if you watch that uh, or you know about that show called um uh, the sharks that yes yeah. shark tank so i was watching yeah. uh, the, one of the guys was was uh, mm-hmm. what, what does he call himself i forget but he was he was talking i saw a talk on youtube mm-hmm. and he said they did a, a survey or some kind of research on what types of what are the key attributes to the the companies that got funded at shark tank mm-hmm. and the one key that i remember very clearly he said three things number mm-hmm. one all of them they could tell their story or their pitch or what they did in less than 90 seconds because it's clear Cindy, crystal clear. There was not. Yeah. There was. Here is what we do, and here is who the problem we're solving, and here is how we do it. Boom. That's it. Yes, it needs to be that clear, uh, such that you can tell it in different variations depending on how much time you got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they always say, "Can you tell it elevator in the elevator?" Pitch. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are given more time, can you elaborate on it? Yes, and nothing changes, but the structure remains. You know, Same. this is yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This is. You just add more evidence do. to the vision, yes. to, the, to the pitch, basically, yes. to the elevator pitch. Yes. More meat to the elevator pitch. Yes. So, so, so now here's the other thing too. What was the what were the other two? The other two are okay. The other two are they they could articulate why they were the right team to do it, mm-hmm. right? Like the team, like this person has this type of skill sets. For example, when you guys were just you, Lewis and and Kenfield, right? you had that commercial, corporate kind of understanding how to go to market. Uh, Ken Fields, he had the research background, vision of where things could be. Lewis, technical, and I think they overlap. I'm just kind of maybe adding mm. here, so I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you guys could stand in front of an investor and say, she's going to do yeah. X, he's going to do Y, and, she, and she's going to do Z. And this is, and we're the best at these three things. And this is why. Yeah. You can be able to demonstrate that as well. Yeah. yeah. So team was critical. And then the other one was 
they knew their numbers, they knew their business cold. They knew their numbers cold. They knew if I what drove the business unit from the economics. unit economics. They knew it cold. Yes. And those are the three things. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. You need to understand what makes what drives your business. Uh, right down to the last detail and um, especially as a leadership any one of us needs to be able to do that you mm. need to be able to understand um, I don't have a technical background but I sure um, understand uh, the drivers, the drivers platform, behind yeah. of our, our, our platform and we'll be able to step in you know if, if, if Louis um, or Changwe our head of engineering wasn't there mm. And that's how intimate you need to be. Mm, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. I think you guys have an amazing team. And yeah, every single I love the team. Yeah, I love the team yeah. Every single startup you see that is succeeding have an amazing team. Mm -hmm. That's kind of just standard. And let's talk a little bit about in terms of how our kind of like local mindset regarding team and all these dynamics that make clarity, uh, team, and and knowing your stuff, right? Uh, you know, talk a little bit about how the folks you see in the startup world, culturally speaking. I think <laughs> culture has a lot to do with how people do things. Yeah. So, you know, side hustle mentality, I'll start this and do that. So talk a little bit about, you know, what, what do you think are some of the things that are holding us back oh, culturally? Yeah. I think culturally from, we, we see the big hits and the big stories in the valley. And I think that's where we only focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nobody focuses on on the, the misses mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. i love to read about the the great potential that was missed in the valley as well and there's lots of stories on that or those who look like they were succeeding and somehow things just didn't, didn't work, work out, out because mm -hmm. of one thing or another mm -hmm. and so everybody comes out because of that hustler mentality startups are now being <clears throat> built at a an amazing rate. Amazing, yeah. yeah. Mm. And that's why there's been a boom of uh, co-working spaces. Mm -hmm. uh, they go hand in hand, yeah. Oh, they are all over different towns, not just Nairobi. Mm. I mean, if you go to Mombasa, if you go to Kisumu, there are these spaces mm -hmm. where people are literally working on stuff, working on stuff uh, every day, uh, thinking they will make it big without thinking through and without being committed to solving a real problem. Mm. People are not looking for real problems to solve. They're looking just for opportunities. They're looking for a quick win, win mm. uh, or a, a, a way to just make a quick buck. They mm. think that they can be able to make an app and, make an app and you know, sell it for a kill. And that's what is making it um, difficult to, to come up with real, you know, many big real businesses at the mm. end of the day it's supposed to become a, a real fully fledged business and mm. i think um i remember last year coming and you had a talk and you talked about death valley and i've never forgotten about the value death, of death. <laughs> yeah yeah i call it death valley where many startups go they seem to have had energy and zeal and zest and they get into death valley and the only people who survive in death valley is people who so a real problem and are committed, resource or not. When I look back, joining M7 in 2015 and only doing, uh, completing our Series A around 2018, mm. the only thing that kept us alive was faith and hope and the knowledge that we were dealing 
and, and the passion for this real thing that we are doing. Mm. You knew what you were doing. We know what we are doing. We have passion for it. We love what we do. And so we keep doing it. Right. That's awesome. Come what may, we keep looking for ways to do it. So you had clarity around the problem you're trying to solve, the yes. size of the opportunity, and commitment to each other and the process. Yes. And that kept you that kept you going. And kept us going. Because there were hard times, I'm sure, right? I mean, there were days of doubt, I'm sure. There still are hard times. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, definitely. Even after just, Series A. Oh, yes. There mm-hmm. still are hard times. Mm-hmm. Because remember, um, Series A is not... Is it, this is investment money, right. right? So you limit what you can take on uh, to get you to where you need to be and to get you, to, you know, to grow. You need to grow this value for your investors as right. well. So right. there's pressure. Right, right. Yeah, right. there's lots of pressure. It's not easy. You need to manage um, the process very strictly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's hard, but I don't think there's anything easy. Nothing is easy. Yeah. I mean, and so yeah. for me, I look at it like, yeah, it's been hard, but it's also offered a lot of uh, excitement, a lot of learning, and a lot of growth. And networks. And a lot of networks, valuable networks. If nothing else, their friends today I wouldn't have had that I now have mm-hmm. who are a call away uh, that have helped me rethink through some of the problems and challenges I face um, you know, uh, in, the, in, the, in the business space. Mm-hmm. And let me ask you this, in terms of just the social aspect of now transitioning from big corporate mm-hmm. into startup world, was there a journey in terms of your social, for want of a better term, uh, perception among peers, people who are looking at you from far and saying, is she crazy? What was that <laughs> like? Yes, of course. <laughs> of course, yes. I guess because that was me, then I understand it. I mean, I'd heard of, of startups and all this thing, but I had never really interacted closely with anyone uh, in, the startup. in the startup world. And so... It's almost like two worlds. When you're corporate, you, you know, you, you rub shoulders with people who are in the same space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think that's changing, right? If you look at today, mm. back then when I left, that's just how it was. And then I got dropped into this new world of startups where I didn't know anyone and started building networks mm-hmm. slowly. Mm-hmm. But the beauty was the networks in the corporate space are not lost as well. Mm-hmm. And now you begin... Uh, meshing the two worlds and I think that's what that is supposed to happen and that's why my passion is to pull people who are looking for change people looking for a fresh opportunity of doing something new a fresh hand at turning something look at the startup ecosystem it has a lot to offer so all the people who in corporate listening to this you are a champion for anybody in corporate who feels like man I want to be part of something something big I want to do something fresh. I want to build something from the ground up. Then this is for you. This is for you. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things that I also kind of... Um, and, and maybe we should... One other question I need to ask you is... Do, did you... Have you noticed that people now that you have this... You, your chief commercial officer at a, at a funded startup that's growing. You have this new title. Have people, old friends, maybe changed how they relate to you? Has that changed a little bit? Or um, are they still thinking that, yeah, my Safaricom is a better deal? Have you seen any? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the networks and the, the relationships that I had back then um, in, in Safaricom were pretty solid because we, uh, for most of the ones that I had over a long period of time, we pretty much Grew up kept, together there. Yeah. yeah, kept in touch. 
there were those who didn't quite understand what I do, and there are many of those who still ask me to date. Can you believe it? What do you do again? <laughs> so what do you guys? So what's that? <laughs> I'm thinking, man, I have to do this again. But to their credit, um, when all you know is uh, you one know, company, one company, and you know. Uh, your parents have brought you up and that's how I was brought up and I believe many like me back in the day were brought up to be told go read hard, study well, pass ACE so that you can go to a good college, a good university and then work at, uh, Safaricom. Work at a good company like Safaricom for the rest of your life until the day you retire, that's the best thing that's the only path yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's the thing we dreamt that we would do and it's not bad they are those, it's, it's very good. I'm, I'm grateful to God for having been able to be that place where right. I could learn and grow there. Mm. But then again, for those who have always wondered whether they can be an entrepreneur. Or be part of it. You don't have to be the entrepreneur. You can yourself, be part of a team. You can be part. And, that, and that's, that's entrepreneurship, right? Pretty much. Yes, because entrepreneurship is a team sport. Yes. This idea that an that, entrepreneurship is an individual. Thank you. You're crazy. <laughs> yes. You're going nowhere. You. Thank you. There can only be so many businesses built and they don't all have to have you as an individual build them. Right. Be the part of the beginning of it. Yes. You uh, being a part of the beginning of that, of building, are an entrepreneur. That is so exciting. Yeah. Man. I mean, yeah. and, and I guess some padding shorts in terms of uh, one question I always ask people is where do you think we are going as an ecosystem? Ooh. What's your vision 2030? <laughs> I think my vision 2030 is mind-boggling. And the reason it's mind-boggling is because I look back at the many firsts in this world that have come from Africa. I think the greatest one, I, if I'm only allowed to, to, to mention a few, I look at, if I look in the corporate space, I start to look at M-Pesa. M-Pesa was a startup. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was a startup, for sure. For sure. Definitely. But look at it today mm -hmm. and look at uh, it's paved the way for very many exciting things that we are seeing happening in the financial space, not just uh, in Africa, but in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Mm -hmm. um, then I, I start thinking about the startups in Africa mm -hmm. and I look at some, I look at Flutterwave in Nigeria, mm -hmm. you know, transforming uh, e-commerce and the way it's being done in West Africa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, probably shaping the thinking of the way it's going to be done in East Africa. I always tell people we are not a homogeneous uh, people in the sense that we are different. East African culture is so different from West, West African, African culture. and Central African. Uh, and that richness and that difference is going to spark a lot of growth. Right. And so different, I, different solutions different will solutions. work in Look different places. Look at Trigger. Yeah. 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 Look at Mkopa. Mm -hmm. All these are on the world map. Right. Uh, and if all these transforming the way people are accessing, not just finance, accessing food, mm -hmm. you know, uh, accessing markets, mm -hmm. which is what Trigger is doing, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, then look at Jumwa, Jumwa, mm -hmm. you know, the model is so different from Amazon mm -hmm. and we don't even know what it's going to be because it continues to transform right. and how big its potential will be then it means you're looking at a highly technical, effective 2030. And even, um, you know, when I look at Kenya and our government being very open to the tech space, mm -hmm. uh, the, the new kit they're using now for this Suduma number mm -hmm. 
was was Kenyan engineers built it. That's cool. That's cool yeah. and exciting. Right. Um, and looking forward to seeing its success. You know, very few have done that, even in Europe. I think it's only in which country? India? That has been able to do what we're trying to do with having a central... A centralized... Uh, centralized way of uh, um, information from citizens. Mm -hmm. Then we're in the right direction. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. I... I uh, I, I like I said, I see this as uh, the, the tech and the demographic dividend. It's a nexus and it's a moment in time where if we understand what is happening right now, I mean, I have lived through Facebook coming into the Bay Area, right? As wow. just a social network that what is this thing that Stanford kids yeah, use wow. to affecting the elections, right? So I, I am a total firm believer. I am sold. Like, you cannot tell me anything. And I don't think that... Seen I've seen it. You cannot... You see, most people are not believers. Because if you haven't seen it, I'm a believer, man. On, in, in the potential for technology businesses to be madly transformational. And I can tell you this. I'll make a prediction. In the latter part of this, uh, the next decade, mm -hmm. the companies that you mentioned may not be the ones that are the ones that are... They're the ones who will transform this place in terms yes. of scale and potential. Right? Yes. That's the thing about technology. By 2030, there'll be the companies that will be, uh, you know, transforming our society at that time may just be being born right now. We have not heard of them. That's true. That's, That's so why true. I love this space because there's no Bonham Kuboys in, in this place. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> not at like, all. Not, actually, 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 this is not the way things are done here. I'm sorry because Mark Zuckerberg will come and do it another way. And all of a sudden, all of you are bowing down to a new guy. And he's not the end of the story because there are other people coming down the pipeline. Yeah. It is a complete idea meritocratic environment. It is about what you can do today. And there is no at you have to become from the right family, school, none of that matters. And that's, for me, what a healthy environment is about. Mm -hmm. It's about anybody can come from anywhere. And if you have the right skills, the right, acquire the right skills, yes. partner with the right people, commit to a long-term vision. And you know what's so interesting? There are pockets of quality human beings in this ecosystem. Yes. I am meeting them every day. day. It's just so exciting. Tons. There's so many in this town. You know, it is so exciting because those are the leaders of tomorrow. Yes. Those are the points we're going to take our society and transform it. And I'll close with this because I always say, you know, my whole thing is really changing the African narrative built by building great African companies in an ecosystem of high performance, high integrity, and high mm -hmm. collaboration. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're building at Impact Africa Network. Awesome to have you. Thank you so much for watching. Awesome you to have been here. <laughs> and thank you too for what you do. I'm excited to be plugged into what you do. And, and uh, we will continue to partner with um, you in growing the space. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Claire. Yeah. Appreciate thank it. Thank you.